Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to Dose of Leadership. So happy you're tuning in. Another solo episode today. Today, I want to talk about this concept of it's not your right to challenge, it's your obligation. One of my favorite topics to talk about, and I want to thank, give a shout out to uh, one of the listeners, a fan of the show, John San Suchi. I think I'm saying the name right, S-O-U-C-I. Uh, pardon me if I mispronounced that or butchered your last name, but John uh, has been a great supporter of the show on LinkedIn, and he made some comments about um, how to lead in a crisis episode, and he was asking me, have I ever recorded an episode detailing the detriment to the organizational construct I'm quoting him here, when leadership commits to core values, but only when it's convenient and supports their personal agenda. Speaking out, as I've stated, is my obligation challenge. Could be a career-ending decision. Great point. And um, it's easy to talk about this stuff, right, about respectfully challenging. But this is why leadership gets so hard, in particular if you're in the middle and below. And and that's what I want to dive into here is what can we do? Two parts, really. If you're, if you're listening to the show and you're a – leader, top leader in the echelon, in the C-suite, or even in the vice president, director level, what do you do to support this concept of uh, getting people to respectfully challenge? And then the other part is the middle and below. If you're a supervisor down and below and even a frontline employee, uh, this can get really tricky too. So I'm going to talk about both sides of that. We'll dive dive into that because this is essential. This idea, this concept of it's not your right to challenge, it's your obligation. It's key. It's critical to a decentralized culture of leadership, which is what I'm all about, which I think is the secret sauce, the key, key to the kingdom of doing it how it should be done. More organizations should be focusing on this decentralized culture. And a key part of that, and uh, you won't be successful without it, is getting the mindset and getting the actions right so people feel comfortable, creating that culture where people feel comfortable challenging so we'll talk about that. First, give me a chance to pitch. Bear with me. I've been doing this on the last few episodes, but I'm getting close. And if you're listening here in mid-March, mid to late March of 2020, for the past month, I've been anxiously working on finding founding members for my Dose of Leadership University, and we're getting close to launching it here. I almost have my 30 members. I have a few slots available. If I don't get 30, that's fine. Not everybody that has applied has gotten in because I'm being pretty selective here. Uh, but is a great opportunity if you are want to experience personal and professional development within a community of like-minded leaders. That's what it's all about. It's real-life leadership delivering real-world results. I've always wanted to create a community. I tried it five, six years ago. It just wasn't the right time. Now it's the right time with my experience and facilitation and, of course, growing the network that I have on this show. Um, now seems the perfect time. It's about becoming intentional about your leadership journey. This university is your hub of leadership knowledge, support. It gives you online training videos, my Legacy Leader Blueprint course, which has a tremendous track history of working with multiple organizations, taking them through those videos, and an interactive community which of like-minded leaders who are searching for significance just like you. That's the real meat of this university. The video lessons are there for you, self-paced, set your own foundation for growth, but it's the interaction with this community 
that creates a level of accountability that's going to allow you to grow into the kind of leader that you want to be. So what do you benefit from joining? You get encouragement. Being a leader is tough. You can't do it alone. We need support. By joining, you're going to find encouragement and support that allows you to make the tough decisions and lead at the highest level. That's what it's all about as a group, enlisting the power of the group to help solve your real-life leadership challenges. The insight you get, the different perspective is invaluable from the varying backgrounds. It's amazing the type of people that I've interviewed and has signed up and got into this first cadre. It's so powerful. I'm so excited for this group to finally interact with each other here in April. The growth. But the fact that you're listening to the show shows me that you're intentional about leadership development and growth. So I'm looking for people who are going to take the time to contact me and talk about joining this university. And it's all about accountability. By joining this community, you're going to be held accountable by your peers. And what does accountability do? It leads to action. And action leads to achievement. Accountability is what it's all about. It makes every leader better. So what do you get when you join? Online video training with my Legacy Leader Blueprint course, 20 high-impact videos, spread across four modules, give you the perfect blueprint on how to become a true leader, a private forum that we can stay in contact with, kind of like a Facebook group, but it's within the community and where we can post questions, receive valuable feedback from myself and all the other members 24-7, 365, particularly in between the live sessions. And that's what it's all about. Monthly live training, one to two sessions a month, monthly live calls with me, and also previous podcast guests. I got that expanded network, 400 conversations. I got so many people I want to bring onto my show so you can experience what I experience when I talk to these people one-on-one. They will be joining some of these calls as well where knowledge is shared and unique leadership challenges are addressed. This is leadership training like no other. Unique access to me and to my network. All the live sessions are recorded, so don't feel like you can... It's impossible for everybody to get there at the same time. So we're going to record all these, and you can archive them, watch them whenever you want. And again, interaction with my vast network. If you're interested, if this sounds like something that you want to do, and it's in the middle of April 2020, or middle of March 2020, I just got a few slots left. I'd like to, to fill those slots. Give me a call or reach out to me. Go to doseofleadership.com slash university. That's doseofleadership.com slash university. Check out the landing page there. Hit the enroll now button. It'll take you to a form where you get your name, your email, and a phone number. And we'll set up a time where you and I can talk and we'll see if it'd be a good fit for you. All right. Thank you for letting me pitch that. I know I'm not, not trying to be selly sell, but I'm just trying to organically grow this group and find some founding members. 350 bucks, one-time payment one-time payment. That's it. You will never get an ask. I will never ask for another dime from you. I'm trying to help. I need people to help me grow this community in something really special. So sounds like you reach out to me. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. Let's get into the meat of what we want to talk about here. It's not your right to challenge. It's your obligation. One of my mentors I worked for in the corporate arena told me that long ago. He had two rules. And when I went to work for him, he said, it's really easy to work with me. He said, treat everyone with respect and tolerate disrespect from no one. Easy enough. And the second one was, it's not your right to challenge me. It's your obligation. And I love that. That's kind of the mindset. I know it was definite mindset I learned in the Marine Corps. You may have heard me talk about this before if you're a longtime listener to this show. I've told this story a few times. But my biggest kind of, um, uh, if you want to call it dressing down or, or butt chewing, if you want in the Marine Corps, and it really wasn't getting yelled at. It was a disappointed father speech. When I worked in the Marine Corps and I was in a, a position that was really for uh, a junior major in 04, and I was a senior captain, and it, but they were short of majors because of the airlines were hiring. This was in the um, mid to late 90s. 
And so I worked up at the wing and I worked for a forward colonel who reported to a one-star general. That's this the gist of it. Anyway, long story short, there was an opportunity where we were actually going to do a live embassy evacuation. And the point of that was the general who was the wing general, he oversaw all the aviation assets for the West Coast and the Marine Corps. And he wanted all the representatives, and I represented the KC-130 squadron. That's what I did up there. And we all went to this room, and he was wanting kind of synopsis. What do we have? What can we use? What are the assets that are available that we can help in this real-life embassy evacuation in Eritrea next to Ethiopia? So um, it was kind of fast and furious, and I was the most junior guy in there, and I felt pretty intimidated and uncomfortable. And things were going fast, and, and they asked what the C-130 assets were, and I told him. And they were thinking about using the C-130 and if anybody had any concerns. And I did, and I didn't speak up. I was worried that uh, the C-130 would get stuck, and I didn't know what the um, the terrain was like. And I was worried about the plane getting stuck. And there was an opportunity for me to speak up and address that, and I didn't for whatever reason. It was just basically fear and intimidation of, of, of sounding like a fool, right, and, or a non-hacker or something, right? Um, they didn't use a C-130. They eventually used um, helicopters, CH-53s, to do this, and the, the C-130s in my squadron weren't utilized, and it didn't work. So it was success, successful. We got the uh, embassy evacuated and they, not using the C-130 assets, but – and I was talking to the general's chief of staff a week or two later, and I was telling him, like, yeah, I was I was glad they didn't use the C-130s. I got a little concerned that it would get stuck, and he goes, well, why didn't you bring that up in the meeting then? I'm like, I don't know, sir. I just – you know, I didn't – and anyway, he told the general that, and the general called me in his office. And he didn't yell at me, but he told me how disappointed he was in me that I didn't bring it up. And he said, why didn't you bring it up? And I said, I have no excuse, sir. It was just, you know – in the environment, I felt out of place. They didn't those junior guy there, and it seemed like you guys were wanting to get this mission done, and I, di I didn't want to, you know, be the non-hacker, I guess. And he said, you know, he goes, you're a Marine Corps officer, and my expectation in that role that you're in is to tell me the truth and to speak up. Because he goes, I'm not the professional. You are of that aircraft. He goes, I'm relying on you, and it's your obligation to tell me if something doesn't sound right to you. He goes, because lives are at stake here. And he goes, I'm extremely disappointed in your lack of courage to speak up in that moment. I expect you to do better. And it was so painful to hear that, right? He didn't yell at me. He said it pretty much in that tone and how disappointed he was. It was like the disappointed father speech. I'd much rather have taken a beating, right? But the disappointed father speech was just so painful. But it was, it was eye-opening. And then if you think about in the context, I'll just give you this, and you've probably heard me talk about this too, about flying airplanes, right? It's the mindset that we have as being a professional aviator. When I'm sitting up there in that 787 in the cockpit, don't you want me to challenge that captain if he's about to do something dumb, dangerous, or different? Absolutely. That's my obligation. You know, I don't care if I'm getting along with this this captain or not. We could be the best of buds. We could be the spend you know the next two three days on the road and have a great time, or this could be the, the a nightmare. Someone I just do not get along with or click. Regardless, it does not matter if he's a jerk or if he's the most gregarious, fun-loving person on the planet. I'm going to treat the 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 profession or the obligation of the profession the same because my mission is to make sure that. I don't let this captain, regardless if I like him or not, to not crash in the mountain, not to not run, it, run out of gas, 
to not do anything stupid and not land with his gear up, all those things. So in that same vein, it's not my right to challenge, it's my obligation. Regardless of the rank, regardless of the position, I have a higher calling or an obligation that's at stake. And sometimes we forget that as leaders. In a plane, it makes sense, right? Or you can see that. But think about surgeons. Um, my daughter had surgery one time, a massive back surgery. She had scoliosis. And I remember this doctor came in. He was supposed to be the best in the business, and he was. But when he came in the day of the surgery, he had this overbearing kind of intimidating presence. He talked down to the nurses. He talked down to these anesthesiologists. You could see this palpable mood change when he walked into the room. He was a very imposing, intimidating figure. He's a real kind of a jerk. He's a real a-hole to be blunt. And I remember we were sitting there in the kind of the prep room sitting with my daughter and I was nervous because it was a major surgery. There was another family there to the uh, next to us kind of in these, they had four or five families that were prepping for different surgeries. And I remember this father said to me after they wheeled my daughter back and his daughter back, he said, man, aren't you glad that he's our doctor? And I remember I didn't tell him this because I wanted him, he was concerned like, why is my doctor? But I was really concerned. I was saying to myself, you know, I don't want an overbearing doctor on that operating on my daughter or my family member because if he has that intimidating presence, um, I want that most junior person in that room, that most junior nurse or that technician or anesthesiologist, whoever it is, I want them to be able to feel comfortable to speak up if he's about to clip my daughter's spinal cord, for example, right? So you see what I'm saying here? I mean, I'm giving you those real-life examples because to the point of what we're doing, it's not your right to challenge your obligation. That is how the best outcomes always come forth. And when we're talking about a decentralized culture, which everything I talk about is around that umbrella, I think that is what we need to do. Organizations, if they want to set themselves apart, it's the best way to thrive in chaotic environments, and you're dealing with chaos all the time. And the best way to do that is to create a decentralized culture of leadership. A key component of that, if you're going to have this decentralized culture of leadership, is you have to have the ability, you have to, number one, if you're a senior leader, you have to create that environment where people feel safe and comfortable challenging you. And you want that. Nothing makes me happier is if, I'm, if I come in front of my team and I'm telling them this is what I think the plan should be, and someone has the, the, the comfort factor and the ability to go, you know what, Rich, I think that's a dumb idea. And I have to have my pride and my confidence in check to go, really, let's talk about it. Tell me why you think it's dumb. And then you have the dialogue. It's so critical. I see so many senior leaders, and I'm talking to you. If you're a senior leader, you have to do everything you can in your power to give people that opportunity to challenge you. You have to proactively get it out of them because they're not wired to do that. We're all not wired based on how we're brought up, our culture, this and that, to go against the authority. The perceptions in the military and even in the aviation is like the captain's always right. There's a perception in the military is that the senior officers are giving orders and that you as the enlisted need to blindly follow those orders. And that's not what I was taught at all. That's a myth. The Marine Corps in particular, we were taught to respectfully challenge, particularly if something doesn't make sense or we don't know why we're doing what we're doing. 
you've heard me talk about commander's intent. That's a huge component that as the senior leader, I owe you the why of what we're doing. If I'm not getting it, then you're obligated to extract it out of me. And that is the challenge. That is where the rubber meets the road, where it becomes difficult. And like I was said in the beginning of this show, where John Sansucci, again, apologize if I butchered your name, said, what do we do when we find ourselves in those positions where it doesn't work out? That someone is kind of the traditional, one of the biggest problems, the senior leaders, you know, don't set the example. It's the whole, you know, do as I say, not as I do type dysfunction that we see so often in businesses. And so what do we do? Well, as senior leaders, again, you need to do everything you can to avoid making that culture. And it's as simply as when you're sitting out there encouraging people to challenge them, just ask them directly, please disagree with me. Tell me if I'm about to do something dumb, dangerous, or different. Don't assume I have all the answers. Please tell me if I'm about to screw up. Don't let me land with my gear up, right? And that's something I say in my briefings when I'm flying with somebody new I've never flown with before. I don't care what you think or perceive or how I'm being perceived, if I'm having a bad day, a good day, if I'm grumpy, if I'm not talking or whatever the case, do not let me land with the gear up. Do not let me run out of gas. Challenge me. And as senior leaders, when you do get challenged, you have to be the calm, composed force that listens to what they have to say. So I really think the the senior leaders have it easier. Where it gets difficult is if you're in the middle and below. Kind of like what John Sansucci was saying. What do we do if we're in the middle? And the most difficult job, leadership job in any organization is the middle and below because you've got to deal with your peers, which can be backstabbing, which is its own inherent challenges. you got to be accountable for the people that are below you, which is important. But you also have to lead up and you have to deal with the guy or gal above you who you report to. And that sometimes, a lot of times, get missed. I know I screwed that up in the corporate arena. It took me some hard lessons that way. But you have to, number one, if you're in the middle and below, and I'm talking to you supervisors and directors and below, you have to have the courage, particularly if your boss is a jerk and you enjoy working there, you have to have the courage to challenge them and find out why you're doing what you're doing, or if they're going to do something that you don't agree with, you are obligated to speak up. It's not, well, maybe you should or shouldn't. No, you are obligated. If you don't look at it that way, you'll never have enough courage to to do that. You have to treat your position, no matter what corporation you're in, I don't care what product you're making, you have to treat it as life and death. You have to, just like flying a plane. Lives are at stake, whether you like it or not. And again, I don't care if you're an accounting firm, an insurance agency, or you're flying airplanes. Lives are at stake. You have to adjust your mindset that way. When you start looking at it that way, then you find that, okay, it's my obligation to challenge you. Now, you do it with respect. You know, you, d- you give deference to the authority to give that respect. But you have to somehow find the fortitude to ask why. Now... What do you do when you start asking why and the boss says, damn it, I'm tired of, you, tired of you asking me that. Just do what I say because I'm the boss. It's kind of like when you get frustrated with your kid and you say, or your parents got frustrated with you and said, because I said so, damn it, right? 
And because I said so, damn it, is the kind of, I'm tired of, it just basically says, I'm tired of dealing with you. Just, I got other things to do. That is a real possibility and usually happens, particularly in an environment that's not used to having somebody push back. There is risk involved. There's no doubt about it. You can't get around it. But I can almost guarantee you, if you do it the right way, if you do it with respect and you do it with tact, then the outcome more, more often than not is usually favorable. Most leaders who are dysfunctional, who are short in their temper or jerks, are, are overcompensating for um, insecurity. I, you can't show me any leader who is acting in a dysfunctional way isn't dealing with their own insecurities 100% of the time, guaranteed. And when you realize that, you can almost approach it with em- empathy. And you realize your goal is to try to figure this out and try to help this leader become a better leader. So all of those things that I'm saying at the bottom line is you have to get used or you have to have the courage to challenge that. Remember, it's your obligation. And it's not you, – you can't worry about your relationship between you and your boss. You cannot worry about if you're going to be fired or not. You have to put your mindset on the people that you're accountable for and for the other lives in the organization of doing the right thing. That's how you change your mindset and you get over this kind of fear of a grumpy boss or a dysfunctional leader. And you can do it with tact and you can do it with confidence. And I guarantee you, if you do it nine times out of ten, the response is positive. I've coached a lot of mid-level managers on this. Almost every organization I've gone into, I've been faced with this in some form or the other. And and when people have stood their ground in a tactful way, I'm not talking about being um, resistance for resistance sake, but they do it tactfully, uh, nine times out of ten, that leader, even though they've seen dysfunction in the past, they're somewhat appreciative because they feel like they almost have an ally. I've seen this work, so trust me on this. Doesn't mean it's easy. I know it's hard. It's probably one of the hardest things you can ever do. But if you can muster up the courage to do it, only good things are going to come. I guarantee it. So that's the point. I've said a lot of things there, but it's basically boiled down to this. Two different groups, senior leaders and the middle and below. Senior leaders, I'm talking to you. You have to do everything in your power to create that culture where people feel comfortable telling you you're about to do something stupid. You can go a long way, and it takes consistent reminding them, please tell me, please. And when they do do it, that you don't get offended, you don't get your pride all bruised up, and you listen to what they say. Middle managers and below, you have the harder job because you have to dig in and be courageous. And it's almost like... The way I look at it is like I'm helping this leader become a better leader. That's my mindset when I start to challenge. I'm not doing this to embarrass them. I'm doing this to make this organization and this leader better. And I'm obligated because I have lives at stake. That's the mindset you got to have. It makes it easier. Now, there's a critical piece here where making progress Senior leaders are starting to create that culture. The middle and below are having the courage to challenge respectfully with tact. But this is where it gets muddied up. And this is where usually it falls off, the wheels fall off if they're, they're doing this. There's a critical piece to this. And this is really for 
the middle and below to understand to carry out. So if I'm working for somebody and they're coming up with this idea and I totally disagree with what they have to say, I do not like this idea. I think it's dumb. I think it's a waste of time. I think there's a better way to do it. When the time is right and the environment's right, hopefully you're doing this in private. And you say, Madam or Sir, I totally disagree with what you're asking me to do. I know why you want me to do it, or maybe hopefully you get the why out of them. I know you why I want me to do it, but I think there's a better way. I don't like this approach. I think there's a better way. And you state your case. So what happens then? And if you're the senior leader, I'm talking to you, and hopefully you're listening to me, and you're giving me that time and that space, and you're not telling me to just shut up and go away because I said so, damn it. And you're listening to what I have to say, and you don't like my idea. And you tell me, Rich, I appreciate what you have to say, but we're going to do it my way. Thank you for expressing, but we're going we're gonna to do it my way. So my response to that as a subordinate is critical, absolutely critical. And this is very careful. This is the key part of this whole episode. I should walk out of there and I disagree with what you said. I do not like your idea. But as long as it's not unethical, illegal, or immoral, and no one's going to get killed, I am obligated now. I had my chance. I gave my peace. You took the time. You gave me the, the respect. You listened to what I had to say. But you made a decision, and, and you didn't take my idea, and you still went with your way. Now I have to walk out of that room and carry out your vision, your intention, your order, whatever the case may be, as if it was my own, even though I vehemently disagree with it. That key is so critical. If you can do that, then you get a smiley face, a gold star, and you can officially call yourself a leader because that's what leaders do. If you walk out of that room, and again, this is a decision that isn't unethical, illegal, immoral, or no one's getting killed. And if you walk out of there and you say, all right, that's what we're going to do. Stupid, but we got to do it anyway. Here's what we got to do. You aren't worthy of the position that you have. You are the main reason why there's so much dysfunction exists in organizations today. And you're doing more damage to that chain of command and that organization and undercutting of what's going on. And you're doing more damage than you realize. And that, my friends, exists in every organization, every business, and I hate it. I hate it because it destroys organizations from within. Yes, I understand that the boss that you may be working for may be, from your vantage point, incompetent and a malcontent and make stupid decisions. But if you've had your opportunity and you had the courage to stand up there and say, sir, I think there's a better way to do this, and even though you get shot down, and again, it's not in a, unethical, illegal, immoral, no one's getting killed. You have to carry it out. You have to. Like it's your own. And if you do that, and you hold that up, those are what great organizations are made out of. So many organizations miss that point. I've been the guy that's walked out of the room and said, that was stupid, we got to do it anyway. I've been that guy, and shame on me. And I know you've probably done it too. 
But I think that's the key thing. If you walk away from this conversation or this session and there's a call to action, start changing the way that you do that. Changing your mindset if you're the middle and the below, which I think is the hardest of us, is having the courage to ask why, to stand your ground, find out why. Tactfully challenge, realizing it's your obligation. And if you don't win that day, find a way to carry out that order as if it was your own. And you do that, you're going to set yourself apart as a true leader. If you don't do it, you can't even call yourself a leader. You're just a mediocre manager. Let me know what you think. Reach out to me. Go to dosofleadership.com, fill out the contact me form. It'll go right to my email, or you can email me directly, richard at dosofleadership.com. And it's not your right to challenge me. It's your obligation. If you don't like what you heard, let me know. I don't have all the answers, but this is what I believe And I've seen it in action, and I'd love to hear from you. If you disagree or agree, what other way? Give me the feedback. I love hearing from you guys, and I 100% answer eventually all my correspondence. Take the time to call to action. If you like what you hear, find someone today. Find a relative, a friend, a coworker. Tell them about the show, someone that's never listened to podcasts before. It's through those efforts that I continue to do what I love to do and talk to you because it lets this show grow, which gives me more opportunities. And I'd love to do this for free for you. So take the time, if you would, all I ask. Subscribe, rate, review to your favorite, your favorite podcast application, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and tell somebody about the show. Thanks for tuning in. I do appreciate your support. And I can't wait till we meet again on the next episode. Until then, make it a great one.